Welcome everyone. Um, so today, I, um, today I'm going to be talking about our relationship with the Bible. Um, and uh, when I first sort of started to, to think about this message um, and ex- started to examine my own relationship with the Bible, um, one thing that really stood out to me was why. Um, like, why do we even read the Bible in the first place? Um, for many of us, um, you know, we would have grown up with the Bible. This probably would have been something, uh, a habit taught to you at a young age. Um, but for others, uh, especially if you're new to, to Christianity, you're new to the Bible, that's kind of a legitimate question. You know, you don't have all the, all the background for it. Um, and I think that many of us can also attest that our, our why as such um, has probably changed over time. Our reasons for reading the Bible and our relationship with the Bible has changed over time and probably will continue to change. Um, so this morning I just wanted to, to kind of go over a few of the reasons why. Um, definitely not an exhaustive list, we'd probably be here all day if we were going to do that. Um, and also maybe go over a, a few practical how-tos, um, but hopefully and ultimately to inspire us to um, a deeper relationship with the Bible. So before we jump into it, um, I'll just, I'm just going to pray. Um, so Lord, I thank you for your word. Um, I thank you that um, yeah, you've blessed us with it and that we live in a country where we have such great access to it. Um, today, I just pray that you would uh, open our hearts to, to what you have to say to us, God, and that um, we would come away from this with a, a deeper relationship with you and a better understanding of your word. Amen. Oh. Whoop. Is that better? Marcus, sweet. I can, is that alright? I can use a handheld if that's better. All good? Cool, alright. Okay. Not a foolproof system, apparently. Okay, alright, well, let me know, Marcus, if I need to switch over. Um, so one of the first things that stood out to me um, as to why we read the Bible is that it helps us to build a relationship with God and to develop our understanding of Him. Um, unfortunately, we can't just like sit down, sip a latte, have a conversation with Jesus, invite God over for a barbecue and discuss all the issues of today, um, but we do have His Word. I'm sure it would be much easier if we could, although, yeah, who knows. Um, we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, and that helps us to paint a picture of his character. gives us an idea of his attitude toward things um, and his heart. It helps us to get to know him. I think that it's very easy for us to paint a picture of God that suits us. Um, we want him to love the things that we love, to think the way that we think, um, but it's very convenient for us to cling to the aspects of God that we like and are easy for us to uh, you know, comprehend and disregard the ones that aren't so easy. As we read through the Bible, um, we find all these different aspects of God, some of which can be particularly hard to swallow. Um, and without some guidance, without some sort of compass or northern star, if you will, um, it's really easy for us to, um, yeah, to cling to the ones that we like and, and disregard the others. For example, 
we know that, um, that God is a God of love. But then you read through Genesis and we read about a God who destroyed everyone on the face of the earth. We know that God is a God of peace. Well, he desires peace, but he still sent his people to war. We know that he desires a relationship with us, yet we are told that there, when we die, there will be a life after death with him or without him. We know that Jesus is um, you know, our friend and, and we have a relationship there, but then we also read that he is holy and set apart from us, distinct. Jesus is called um, a friend of sinners, and Steph actually gave a wonderful message on, on that um, aspect of Jesus. But then we also read that he says to people, go and sin no more. We want Jesus, uh, and we want God to be fair and just, and he is. But then we read through the book of Job, and we see God refusing to provide an explanation of the things that happened to the Job. That, sorry, of the things that happened to Job, many of those I think we would deem unfair. We know that God hates sin, but then he is willing to forgive our sin freely. We want God to bring justice on our enemies, um, but then we open our Bible and we see God asking us to pray for them. Um, and this actually is a point that I found particularly challenging over the last little while. Um, especially, uh, you know, in the world political scene, there have been laws passed and ideas introduced, which some of them are just incredibly evil. And I find myself praying and being like, all right, let's do this, God, you know. Sodom, Gomorrah, fire, heaven, you know the drill. You know, let's just wipe them out. I'll go find a mountain where I can watch, um, see this play out. And then open my Bible, you know, something to back it up, and I see God say, pray for your leaders and pray for your enemies. Um, there's this excellent scene from The Chosen, which Dej was talking about before, where um, a couple of his disciples are um, cruising along the road with Jesus, and they have a bit of a run-in with the, some Samaritans, um, you know, kind of like... Australians come along, they start throwing rocks at you or something. Um, but I think it depicts this really well. These, the, the two disciples get so angry and they're like, Jesus, you know, do you even have an, any idea of who this man is? They say, Jesus, send down lightning from heaven, fire from he heaven, incinerate them, burn them up. You told us we could do this. Things like this, you know, if we believe. Um, and Jesus kind of uh, diffuses the situation and ends up saying to them, like, do you think you are more worthy than these other people? Because you're not. And he says to them, you wanted to use the power of God to burn up these people. And they're like, uh, well, it sounds a lot worse when you say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that illustrates that point really well, where they had this idea of a Messiah who was going to come and save them. They were under the, the Roman rule, which was very oppressive. Um, you know, and they wanted this warrior who was going to lead them into battle and free them, to vindicate them. And the more that they came to know Jesus, they discovered that, that it was, he was not who they were expecting, or necessarily who they wanted him to be. 
And uh, the Bible is just filled with these tensions of his character. Um, I think that, you know, if we were left to our own devices, we would, we would come up with this idea of God, as they did, that, that suits them. Um, I read this story a little while back about a woman who found, um, quote-unquote, healing by taking her Bible and tearing out the, the pages that um, condemned a, a, a particular behavior and throwing them into the fire. Next, she pulled out the Gospels and then chucked the rest of the Bible in the fire as well. Is that the relationship that we want to have with the Bible? And, and ultimately with God? One where we just pick and choose the, the pieces that suit us and just incinerate the rest. You know, we want God to be on our side of the argument, and it really sucks when he's not. What I'm trying to say is that, well, what I'm trying to say is that my pages are falling everywhere, but if we don't, um, if we're not following the God that we read about in the Bible, then who are we following? I, um, I heard an interview with Brooke Fraser um, and she said something along the lines of, our feelings are a terrible litmus test of reality. I really like that quote. And, and for us, the Bible is our litmus test of reality, our litmus test of who God is. So that was my first why. We read the Bible to build a relationship with him and to grow our understanding of him. Um, but we also read the Bible because Jesus did. Um, if you have your Bibles, um, open them up to Matthew chapter 4, and I'm going to read through verses 1 to 11. And um, Quentin, if you could just move to the next slide, um, I've got it up here as well. So, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Now, this passage of Scripture deserves a whole sermon on its own. There's just so much that we can learn from this, um, from this story. But I want to focus on one point today, which was that um, each time that Jesus is tempted, I think it's about three times, um, Jesus replies with Scripture. His knowledge of the Scriptures is his defense. Um, and now this is Jesus that we're talking about. He is the Son of God. He is 
part of the triune God, if you will. But it's not his, his status of who he is. He doesn't name drop you know, the Holy Spirit um, or anything like that. But it's his knowledge of the Bible that's his first offense. What was his relationship like with the Bibles that, that this was his first port of call? I mean, I'm sure there are other aspects to it, you know, what his relationship with God was like, etc. But, you know, that, that his first port of call in defense to temptation was to quote the scriptures and say, but it, is set, but it is written, but it is also written. I'd encourage you really to read this scripture again. Go home and read it. It's in a couple of the Gospels, I think three of them. Um, but read it and meditate on it. Read it again and read it again. Um, it's very profound, this, this passage, and I think there's a lot to learn from it. Um, as followers of Christ, part of our relationship with him is to model his way of living. Um, I can only imagine that if we were to ask Jesus, Jesus, what is your relationship like with the scriptures? That his reply would have been deeply. Or how well do you know the scriptures, sorry. How well do you know the scriptures that he would have said deeply? Imagine if Jesus had gone into the wilderness with a shallow or weak knowledge of the scriptures. How would this story have played out? And what would that have meant for us? Um, I just love how, how uncomplicated Jesus makes this whole thing. I mean, the devil even uses scripture against Jesus. But there's no like fancy supernatural display of spiritual warfare going on here. Um, it's the knowledge of the scriptures bound up in his heart and his mind that he uses as his defense. This is something that's so attainable for all of us. Now, I'll be the first person to raise my hand and say that I could do better at this. Um, I was reading through the Ten Commandments, oh sorry, I was reading through um, Exodus the other day and came across the Ten Commandments and suddenly realized that I don't know if I could quote you all of the Ten Commandments, especially not in order. At one point in my life, sure, but um, not anymore. I know, you know, I know other bits and pieces, but I think that some of that knowledge has been replaced by meaningless Taylor Swift lyrics and, you know, abstract facts that will only come in use in, you know, in a quiz night or something. Um, so this is not a bash around the head for those of us that don't know the Torah by heart. Um, it, rather, it's an encouragement that a life following Jesus is going to be filled with opportunities to grow. And the knowledge that taking up the opportunity to dive into the scriptures is one that is not only strongly modeled by Jesus, but can only bring us good things. So, two reasons there. The, the two whys, I think, that, that I want to talk about today. Is to, we read the Bible because we want to build a relationship with God and to understand him. And we read it because Jesus did. And that's what he modeled. Obviously not an exhaustive, an exhaustive list, but just a couple of points. So I wanted to change tack a little bit here and talk about the how. Like, what does our relationship with the Bible actually look like on, on a day-to-day -day level? Um, because how we approach the, the scriptures, um, I think, is just as important as the why. 
So as I said before, um, we believe that the, the Bible is the inspired word of God. Some translations and, and some passages in the Bible say that it is God-breathed. Um, and if we don't come at the Bible with this perspective, I, I feel like this is a core belief that we need to have with the Bible. If we don't come at the, at the Bible with this, then it's just you know, some really well-written text. We may as well be reading you know, any philosopher or history books. Um, there are tons of resources as to why we believe this and why we know this to be true. So I won't dive into them here, but if you are interested, you know, Google it or I can point you in, in the right direction. But um, it just suffice to say today that our first port of call when we come to the Bible is that this is the inspired word of God. And, and in that word, we have all these different collections of texts. We have stories, poetry, prophecy, laws, letters, all of these different styles, and all of them have been intended, uh, all of them are intended to be read differently. What I love about this is that, with, as with any good relationship, there's room to grow and room to change. Um, you know, we have, we have poetry when we need someone to understand or, or, or something to relate to. I know that um, growing up, when I was an angsty teenager, I just loved um, Ecclesiastes. Because it was meaningless. It was miserable. <laughs> and the Psalms, you know, so dramatic and so melancholy. We need um, stories to inspire us. We, need, we have the laws when we need something to guide us. And we have everything in between. But we, need, we do need to be aware of those differences, and we need to approach the, the scriptures differently. We can't go reading Psalms the same way that we read Leviticus. You know, like Psalms is so, um, so full of rich metaphor and poetry, but then Leviticus is, is very literal and you know, structured. Um, if this is not something that you're familiar with, the different types of, of, of literature in the Bible, um, the Bible Project actually has a really good series on the differences um, and, and how we should approach them. And even going into things like how um, Hebrew poetry sort of works, and you know, because sometimes it's different to, to ours. So if, if that is not something you're familiar with, Google the Bible Project, how to read the Bible. Um, I'm sure it'll come up. If you go to their website, there's a, a whole section there with it set aside. Really good short little videos if, um, yeah, if you want to get to know that. But long story short, the way that we approach the books of the Bible matters. We're living in, in a golden age of Bible access. You, know, you can just whip out your phone and you have access to every major and minor translation along with an audio version, along with commentaries, along with other resources. Um, you know, never before have we had this. You can, even access to physical copies is so much more. You go to the Christian bookshop in Walkworth and there's just so many there and, and it's so easily accessible. And I guess even consider that the country that we live in allows that. But still, there are so many countries that you know, ban the Bible. Um, but I think what this means for us is that, you know, like if reading's not your thing, then try an audio version. I've actually, I'm quite an avid reader. I've always liked reading, and um, uh, I've always read the Bible. But over the past couple of years, I mean, we've had little kids, and my work has changed, and so I'm up early, and, you know, 
finding hard, I found it quite hard to, to find time to read and sit down and concentrate and read. So I decided to change and, um, and to listen instead. So um, the Bible app has an audio version, um, and I found it really beneficial to just change the way that I approached the Bible. And funnily enough, that's actually rekindled my, um, uh, re-inspired me to, to get back into reading. Um, but all of that to say that if your relationship with the Bible has become stale, just, just try something different. You know, use an audio Bible. Or maybe um, you know, read broadly. Follow a reading plan that takes you through the whole Bible in the year. So maybe it's not like you don't take in a lot or you're not studying fine bits, but you're reading the whole thing, getting the big picture. Or conversely, go narrow and read through one chapter of the Bible for a whole month. You know, just spend your whole month in that chapter, going over and over and over. R- try different translations. You know, read a few different translations and get them side by side. If you spend lots of time in the Old Testament, maybe go to the New. I know I, when I was um, a teenager, spent lots of time in the Old Testament, hardly ever read the New Testament. And recently, I've tried to spend more time in the New Testament, and I've been loving it. So, you know, I don't know. You, you get used to things. You get stuck in your, in your ways. Um, Chuck Missler, if any of you have heard of him, he issued a challenge to, to people to read the proverb of the day every day of the month. So there are 31 proverbs. There's enough for each day of the month. And he said, read it in the morning. Yeah, and they don't take long. The proverbs are pretty short. So read the chapter for the day, and then think about it during the day, and then read it again in the evening, and, and see the parts. try and look for the parts of that proverb that has related to your day. I found this a really awesome little practice, and for a while, all I read was proverbs. And I just read the proverb for the day, every day, once in the morning, once in the evening, or just even in the evening, and try and reflect on, on how that related to your day. All of that says that you know, there's no right way or wrong way to, to do this. There's no one size fits all. So just find the thing that works for you. So before I finish up, I wanted to go through, quickly through a few practical things that I think that we can do to to get started reading the Bible. First of all, you know, if you want to read the Bible, you actually need a Bible. Um, but if you've ever tried to buy a Bible, you will find that that's not quite so simple. There are so many different translations and so many different versions. Um, and part of the reason why is because there are two main approaches to, to approaching the Bible. We call them formal equivalents and dynamic equivalents. And it's a spectrum, and different translations will land somewhere on the spectrum, but the result is that we have tons of them. So I kind of just wanted to very briefly dig into the, the different styles um, to kind of get, give you a bit of an idea of what they're about. Right, so on the one hand, we have formal equivalents, and this is, attempts to be a sort of word-for-word translation. It tries to stay as close to as close as possible to the original text. Oh, is that me, Marcus? Feedback? There we go. Um, tries to sit, it's my deep baritone voice. It's just. Um, so, formal equivalence, um, yeah, word for word sort of translation. It tries to stay as close to the original text as possible. 
the, the upside of these translations is that they're very technically accurate. Um, the downside is that sometimes they can read a bit funny. Uh, they don't really use natural language as often, and they can sometimes be a bit hard to, hard to understand. Things like um, you know, figures of speech that don't translate quite so well, or you know, things that were relevant to that time period but not today. Words that we don't even have, um, things like that that don't, that don't come across quite the same, can make these translations some, sometimes a bit awkward. So while being more literal, they're not always necessarily um, easier to understand. Um, the King James Version, the New King James Version, probably some of the more well-known examples of those. On the other side of the spectrum, we have dynamic equivalence, which tries to stay as true to the original text as possible by um, conveying the meaning. Um, I think up here it says thought for thought. So while it, um, it doesn't translate the words, sometimes they have to deviate from the actual words used, it um, tries to be more accurate by conveying what's actually said. You'll find that these Bibles generally read a bit easier. Um, they use often more natural language the way that we would. Um, but the trade-off is that they have to kind of deviate from, from the actual text. Um, the NIV and like the NLT, some of those are some of the more common, more popular ones that sort of lean that way. Um, if you're really wanting, uh, so like how do we choose? Because as you'll see there, there's like quite a few and there are so many others that aren't listed up there. Um, but for day-to-day -day reading, something that falls somewhere near the middle of that spectrum is generally a good, a good choice. The NIV is probably one of the most well-known and is a very solid choice. It has a huge um, collection of people that are involved in translating um, this translation. It generally tries to stay as close as possible to the original text, which is formal equivalence, but it also tries to um, convey the real meaning as best as possible, which is uh, dynamic equivalence. So for the average Joe, for you know, the everyday, um, the NIV is a great choice. If you're wanting to really study, really um, to, get, to get into it, apart from spending years learning Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic, um, reading multiple translations can be a really good idea. So get one on the, on the far left side of the spectrum, the formal equivalents, and compare that to, to something else. Um, you can even buy like split Bibles, which have two translations on the same page, and you can read them side by side. That can be quite helpful. Um, other ones are like the Amplified Bible, which tuck in a whole lot of uh, all the different meanings of the original words used. Um, that can be good for study that ironically can actually be a little bit misleading because sometimes not all the meanings are applicable there, but all the same, it can still be good for, for studying. I did want to call out two, other, um, two others, the message and the, and the passion. So those two are um, paraphrase. Uh, the, the, I'll start with the message. It's actually a paraphrase. So it doesn't even itself claim to be a translation. It's like, and you can see it there, it's like MSG on the far right-hand side of dynamic equivalence. These Bibles will often add um, ideas or sentences, words that really aren't even in the translations, uh, in the original text, sorry. 
they're really good at bringing out emotion or ideas behind, behind what's there. But um, they shouldn't be read exclusively. They're great to read alongside another translation because sometimes they can really help you to get a glimpse into what that's saying. And then you read the translation it's like, oh, that's what that was trying to convey. But it shouldn't, they probably shouldn't replace um, one of your other Bibles. Same with the Passion. However, the only thing with the Passion is that it does claim to be a translation, which I don't think that it is. Just a quick Google search will bring up screeds of examples of um, sentences and ideas that, they've, that have just been added in um, that, the, that the original texts don't have. So while they're great and they can be used, um, just be careful how we use them. They're really good to read alongside other, other translations, but probably shouldn't be your, your primary Bible. Um, if anyone doesn't have a Bible and you do want one, um, Come and chat to me afterwards. We would love to, to get you set up with one. Um, or if you want more information about different translations and stuff, um, come see me afterwards as well. Um, so finally, a few resources um, that can be useful. The Christian Bookshop in Walkworth is right on our back doorstep. It has lots of Bibles, lots of other resources, things like that. It's a good little spot to go to. Um, BibleGateway.com is an excellent online resource. It has every major version, lots of others as well, um, and it's all for free. Um, commentaries, um, other resources. You can also do like that same sort of split view where you can compare a few different translations at the same time, and that's really helpful for studying and, and kind of you know reading across across translations. Um, the Bible app. Uh, I think it's called YouVersion, um, is really good. Um, you can download it for free on Android and iOS. And just go on the, you know, the App Store or whatever and search Bible app or YouVersion or something. It'll be the one with tons of downloads. Um, I think you can also get it on the computer as well. Um, Through the Word is a, is a cool little app that actually Lee introduced me to. Um, and I've been using it a lot. It's, um, it's free as well. You can find it at throughtheword.org. And they have themes. Um, and so you kind of like follow a, follow a theme and, and they'll go through a chapter of the Bible a day and they have like a 10-minute long uh, you know, sermon of, of sorts, a 10-minute long discussion about it and then the most excellent British accent you've ever heard narrating the Bible it's excellent. Highly recommend it. Um, I use it a lot. It's quite cool. It's, and especially the same, you know, like if things are getting a bit stale, um, download through the Word and go through, go through one of their plans. Um, yeah, it's really good. Um, the other is the Bible Project, which many of us probably are familiar with through our time in clusters. Um, you can find it at bibleproject.com. Um, and they have a, a series of videos. They're like, three minutes each or something, I think. And they also kind of go through themes as well as just having a few one-offs. Really cool illustrations, really cool animations, um, and can be really good at explaining some of the um, some topics as well. They do like word studies and unpack a word and, and things like that. But yeah, check that out. It's really cool as well. So um, to finish up, I would love to invite us to evaluate our why. If you're not reading the Bible, why not? If you do read the Bible, 
What is your relationship with the Bible like? Do you know it by heart? Or is it just like a, a read and forget, sort of done that for the day, took that off the list sort of a deal? The thing is that this book has the power to change our lives. And it will if we let it. So, yeah, with that, we'll close. Um, thanks, everyone, for coming today. We're going to have morning tea um, open up over there. If, if you want any more information about any of these things, um, or as I said, if you don't have a Bible and you want one, um, yeah, come and chat afterwards. Try and catch someone you haven't said hello to before, and yeah, have a good afternoon, guys. Thank you.